Hey guys, this is Mike with Sharing in the Disruption podcast, and I'm really excited to be starting this up. Um, hope to bring a lot of value to you, and we're going to be talking about how uh, technology is advancing and the effect it can have on you, your family, your finances, and even what it means to be human. Enjoy. Hey guys, this is Mike from Sharing the Disruption Podcast, and this is Gas Station Economics. Um, so today, I am going to be discussing something um, as kind of a follow-up, because I have gone into a lot of depth of kind of this gold rush of IPOs that's been going out, and while IPOs are exciting, I do not like buying into them. Um, besides, uh, what I did with some of these IPOs coming out, because I, I think some of these IPOs were actually really high quality. Whereas I think towards the end of a bull market last year, I think we had a lot of trashy IPOs coming out. You had so much froth and you had stuff like WeWork that almost went public and people actually stopped it. Um, because it, it kind of came out how much of um, how much trash was being thrown out to uh, the public. And it, pretty much it just got offloaded to private investors and SoftBank and some other big investors were the big losers in that. Um, I think Lyft and uh, Grubhub and Uber were just kind of a lot of these stocks that just been out there for so long and they really just built up most of their wealth in the private markets. There wasn't much by the time they got public. And... It turns out they weren't, I don't know that they'll ever be profitable, to be honest. Um, I'm a lot more excited about the class of 2020 because we had this recession. And I, I think historically, a lot of some of, the, some of the best companies, I think, come out of recessions. And I, I bet if you went back and you, I'd like, I actually want to do an episode going back to the 2009 housing crisis, uh, the Great Recession, and actually look at some of those companies. Maybe they went public, and I would think some of the earlier ones to go public after the recession probably did. Uh, I bet I bet there's been a bigger return for investors off of those, especially because maybe they're not as highly valued, and you got better deals on them. Um, like once things get frothy, like eight years into a bull market, um, you're you're probably not getting very good deals. And I, I think there's some solid companies coming out right now. Um, but the, there's this, the IPOs lately have been kind of stymied to a few sectors. And really what you're seeing this year is you're seeing software companies, uh, SaaS companies, you're seeing lots of biotechs because of coronavirus and everybody kind of wants to ride that wave of developing something, even stuff unrelated, um, coronavirus there's lots of biotechs coming out um there uh there's a lot of these SPACs which is the special purpose acquisition corps they're acquiring all, so lo they're acquiring lots of different things but some of the biggest things to be acquired have been like these EV companies electric vehicle companies and like I said Tesla is the only one I currently have an investment in 
Um, like I don't, I don't really see value in a lot of these companies. Uh, there's a couple I'm keeping an eye on and they're not public yet. They're like Rivian and Lucid Motors, but I just really don't think any of them are worth investing in currently. And I could be wrong, but, uh, I mean, Tesla's the only one that's profitable right now. Um, and, uh, there's, um, so I think there'll be some education technology companies to come out of this. I don't think there's been much so far. There's like a Brazilian company, but um, not really interested in a lot of investment in Brazil right now. So, you know, we've had this big boom of all this stuff. And I just, I think the software companies, that's really mostly what I've stuck to. It's pretty much all I've stuck to almost, uh, except for health com a couple, two health companies, GoodRx and um, uh, another company, uh, American Well Care. Um, the tele telemedicine that I covered in the past podcast, but really all I did was establish positions in some of these companies because um, for me, it just, you know, just put in a teeny little bit um, just in case they just spike and they never go down. Like it's kind of that FOMO if you're missing out, but I don't put much on the, on the line. And so I won't be sad if it goes down, I won't be that excited if it goes up because I won't gain that much. So, it's not really a risk for me um, in that sense. So I recommend not investing, unless you get some special deal before a pump company goes public, you're really not gonna get a good deal coming out the gate. Like these are all bought up by big companies, investment groups, private investors. I think you have to have $100,000 uh, to get in on a lot of, as a private investor. I mean, I think the rules are starting to change, and I cover that sometimes, is there's starting to be companies you can invest some private equity into. It's called equity crowdfunding, crowdfunding, and that's uh, starting to allow the little guys to get in on some of these companies. And companies like Start Engine and WeFunder, uh, those are companies I've started dabbling in. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's very high risk, but... Um, if I see a company I'm very interested on there, I'll do some research. And if I want to put some money that I don't care if it evaporates into it just to see what happens, I mean, you can see some, some very big gains if that company actually is successful. So let me get into what the meat of this podcast, which is a lockup period. So when, you're, when all these guys are invested in these companies private, like, say, all these people are uh, venture capitalists piling money into Uber. Um, they see this huge spike. Say they say they bought it for, like, nothing comparatively. And then it just spikes like crazy when it goes public. They actually, there's, like, a set date. And I think it's different for different companies because some of these um, companies, it seems to be coming quicker than others. But it's, I think it's, like, four to six months is a lockup period. And... Um, I, I, I can't tell you exactly. You'll have to look that up. But um, I am on a site called MarketBeat right now. And so what I'm telling you, I, where I can give you exact numbers, is there are IPOs that people have started to forget about. Like Snowflake was hot and all this kind of stuff. People are going to kind of forget about it. And it'll probably decline. And once that lockup period is up, like 
there's that initial fervor and all these like retail investors get in and they don't see it doing much. And so they bail on it, they get bored with it and it doesn't do what they want it to do. A lot of people lose money. And then these initial investors get a chance. They can't, their funds are held until the lockup period and then they can get out. And with Uber's case, Travis Kalanick, the founder of Uber, he sold like, I think it was like 98% of the shares or, or he like completely sold out um, after the lockup period expired. And to me, that's not a sign of having faith in your company that you started. Like, you know, he got all these other people to put their money into it. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna take my money. He went and started another company called like Cloud Kitchens or something. Um, I know he had a big falling out with the, the new CEO of Uber because they ousted him. So maybe it was just a vengeful thing. He was just like, screw this company. Um, or he just, but to me, Somebody like that like wants to make money. So if he really thought Uber was gonna make a lot of money, I think he would have left his money in. Like Jeff Bezos has a lot of his wealth in tied up in Amazon, and um, I'm, he must have a lot of faith in Amazon. I mean, he takes money out um, and diversifies it to other things and puts it into other projects he has. But uh, I think definitely, if you want to kind of, I think it's worth like evaluating a company. Like, look how much. That's one statistic I look up uh, when I look up a company is look up inside ownership and see how much of the company is owned by people that literally work like work there um, and kind of see if the CEOs are selling a lot of shares and stuff like that. Uh, all right, so now that gets us to after the lockup period. After the lockup period, a lot of people will sell off shares and the price will drop of stocks. And that's not always, but a lot of investors kind of want to get that liquidity that they've been waiting on for years. Uh, I mean, it could be a long time that they've had their money tied up in a company. So when there's that liquidity event, liquidity meaning they can cash out and get some money and put into other places, a lot of them take that opportunity. So uh, there's a lot of stocks kind of coming up and on this website market beat, you can actually see like a calendar for when these lockup expirations are happening. And a lot of these stocks, actually, if you look now, they've dropped down quite a bit below their initial IPO. And there's a few of them like uh, Lemonade and Vroom. Uh, those companies I've been putting some money into because they're down so much from IPO. I think they're good companies, but um, I've just been putting little pieces of investment into them. And, you know, hopefully they'll drop down more after the lockup period. But it's not even about it is dropping more after the lockup period. It's good to wait till after the lockup period to really get an accurate measure for how much the stock is worth. Like you really have a very cloudy view of what the stock's worth when you're looking at what it's going for like the first day it opens. And it's just like, almost like when a, a wave hits you, um, you know, you may think like, oh, like you, you wanna let things settle, let the water settle before, like if you're trying, uh, if the water's real stirred up or something and you're trying to find something underwater, um, you wait till the wave dissipates and you wait till the water settles and you can see accurately 
and you can measure the distance kind of sort of like to the, the, the bottom of the water and, and assess things. And that's kind of the same way is, you know, there's all this turbulence and hype and all this stuff going on when a company goes public and you wait till that end of that period and the water doesn't really start to settle till after the investors that were in initially can get out. Um, then you kind of get an accurate gauge. So let's go back to, so this calendar started, at, uh, let's see, at uh, October 5th. Um, and I'm going to skip a lot of these. I am literally uh, very pointedly selecting the companies that I'm interested in. Um, I don't mess around, like I said, with biotechs very much. And the first one uh, that piques my interest is the lockup period expires on 1028. And that's something you probably haven't heard much about is Social Capital Hita Sophia Holdings Corp 2. Um, I think that's so that is a company that's a blank check SPAC company actually started by Chamath Polyhoptia. Um, he was an initial investor in Facebook. Uh, he was very involved and then he's on social capital. Uh, he so he actually started Social Capital Holdings Corp. One initially, which acquired Virgin Galactic, um, and they did a reverse acquisition, which I've ex I think I've explained the SPACs uh, before. It's a reverse merger, uh, and then they take on the name. So essentially, like this this name means nothing. They're going to buy an existing company and then take on the existing company's name. There's been a ton of these this year. Um, so this particular one he's already announced is going to buy Nextdoor, I think, um, which is, I think that's a, a, an app similar to like Zillow or Redfin that, uh, is, I think he's trying to take advantage. He's like, he's, he's made all these different blank check companies and he's pointedly acquiring companies that really like take advantage of the times we're in. And I think he sees a lot of opportunity in the real estate market right now because, it's been going crazy, and I think this is one of those house flipping kind of things I need to do some more due diligence on. But he's uh, he's a guy I respect a lot. I like if you check out his pod, he's on a podcast called All In. Uh, it's very interesting, very uh, uh, deep thinker. He also is interviewed by tons of people. Uh, he's interviewed by Kara Swisher. She's an interviewer, and uh, he's on. Uh, in, uh, CNBC and a lot of other things, um, they always like bring him in to kind of say his opinion. He always has an interesting opinion. Um, so as far as the next companies we got, Bill.com, uh, that's a SaaS company that does back-end billing. doesn't sound that exciting, but it looks like they're making really good money. And so that's definitely something to keep your, their eye on. Um, that is a, uh, November 4th. That's when that lockup period expires. It's $30 right now. Um, I'd have to do a deeper analysis to see what the value is from when it really opened. Like I said, I'm just skipping a bunch of these. Warner Music Group. I mean, they just have an incredible inventory of I mean, music. Like, you know, Spotify, Apple Music. They all have to, like, pay royalties to them. So... Definitely want to look into them and see like what the value proposition is there. $27.99 opens on November, uh, the lockup period is November 30th. Zoom Info Technologies, not to be con uh, confused with uh, Zoom 
communications, uh, the, the essentially verb that everyone's been using. Uh, this is more of like a search database, kind of searching in the cloud for businesses. I think it's an enterprise kind of software. Uh, it's 4206 uh, as of this printing. And 12, uh, or December 1st, is when that lockup period expires. Um, definitely looking at them. I don't think they're, um, they've been going back up recently. They really dropped after their IPO for a while. Uh, I have a little bit of them. Lots of biotechs. <laughs> There's Vroom. Uh, Vroom, I read an article the other day. Uh, I posted to like my, if you follow me on Facebook, uh, there was an article kind of comparing them as like the Pepsi to uh, Carvana's Coca-Cola. And so they kind of do a similar thing. If you're familiar at all with Carvana, it's very online driven, virtual driven uh, car dealership. I think those are going to be the models that beat out like the CarMaxes and stuff. But I think just the used car space is a good space to be in as ICE vehicles or internal combustion vehicles. Uh, start to go out of style and we start moving towards electric vehicles, I think there will be this transitional period of a lot of people buying, like, while the prices are still, we're waiting on them to come come down for the electric cars, I think a lot of people are going to be buying used cars, especially because the economy is making us poor right now, and public transit is not the most appealing thing when you have to sanitize it and there's COVID and all that. So I think... There's, there's just a lot of opportunity to use car space. I think that's that's just going to be a, a bright area of the economy for a while. And the more they can digitize it and really make it efficient, I think you just have bigger margins. I'm not saying CarMax is going to go away, but I think the more they can digitize it, the more advantage they get, the less friction for the customer. It's going to be more attractive. So I like what Carvana's doing. Broom seems to be following a similar path. I have to do uh, some more looking into them. Azek is uh, one of two companies I, I really follow that uh, they produce synthetic wood, uh, like pink decking and like outdoor patios and uh, different construction projects. And I mean, I my main job, I work a lot with like um, treating wood that's like deteriorated and stuff. And I think over time, we're really going to use a lot more synthetic building materials that don't have as much decay and it's lower maintenance. I mean, my parents have to like completely replace their deck soon. All the nails start coming up and it, it warps and you got to paint it and treat it. And I just think people start demanding, like there's more margin than there is on wood um, because it's a more expensive product. It's, I mean, it's highly engineered. And I just think that's a big future growth area, especially during COVID. This was a stock among like, the Lowe's and Home Depot and a lot of Sherwin-Williams, like a lot of that stuff, people are spending more time at home. And I think that's will be an ongoing trend as people are at home more often, working from home. And I think we'll spend more time in our houses as things digitize and people want more comfortable spaces and they want to invest more in their home. So I think that's, a, and, and uh, as a big uh, tailwind is, Wood is very expensive right now for many reasons. Uh, I think one being all the forest fires. Um, I think a lot of the lumber yards experience a lot of supply constraint through COVID because of maybe workers not them not being able to like to work enough and 
Uh, I think there was just some logistical problems. And there may have been some similar problems with with these factories, but um, I think there's a lot of uh, tailwinds that will really like make this company do well. Let's see, we got Progenity. Progenity, I think, uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly, this one, this is all coming from memory, so excuse me if I get this wrong. I think this is uh, a stock that's pretty new. Uh, it, the investors can get out on uh, December 16th. It's $9.29. And I think it's um, for fertility. Uh, it's a fertility stock to help people that are having trouble having kids. Uh, like, I think it's, it uses some sort of technology that is supposed to uh, help you be more fertile. And, you know, um, unfortunately, with all the things we consume, and I think that's a, a, a issue that will only get worse and not fun to talk about, but a uh, real need. I think it has a growth driver behind it. So um, we've got eBang, weird name, but it's a Chinese stock that has exposure to crypto and blockchain. And my knowledge is they are a manufacturer of components in mining Bitcoin or mining cryptocurrency and they have a lot of exposure to that space and that's something you'd have to look into more because um, I can't get into too much detail on that but obviously lots of people are interested in that right now and they've actually been doing pretty good but with as I have to say any Chinese stocks you've got to just know that it carries a lot of risk and I'm being very picky about what uh, Chinese stocks I'm investing in right now with all the global tensions. So I'm weighing the re reward versus the return. Um, I think if the U.S. takes action against delisting a lot of these Chinese companies, um, I think it'll take a long time. So I think you'll have plenty of warning So you're in like Alibaba to get out before the U.S. like shuts it. I mean, takes them off the... I, I'm not saying Alibaba's going <laughs> off the stock market, but I'm just saying like any Chinese stock I think you'll get some warning, but there are a lot more scams because the numbers aren't as transparent. I think that's what the SEC will eventually demand. But there was like a luck and coffee thing this year where uh, they pretty much were just like a giant fraud. And not saying there's definitely U.S. companies that are frauds, but they have to turn in more numbers than China does to really prove that they're a legit company see oh it's scrolled all the way back down that's awesome let's see we have got one of my favorites personally lemonade and that is a kind of it's geared a lot towards millennials i guess it's um like one of the things that makes me excited is like millennials don't haven't traditionally been too big into the insurance business and um I mean, it, there just needs to be a new product for the younger generations as far as getting them into buying insurance for things. And what they're doing is starting off on smaller things like apartment uh, insurance and like renter's insurance and housing insurance and things like that. And I think they'll spread out into lots of different things. Insurance is definitely a very profitable industry, as I talked about in a past podcast. And there's a lot of fat around the edges that can be trimmed and uh, to 
really compete against a lot of these other insurance companies are just, um, it's just kind of like a good old boys club that, um, for a long time, there's just been lots of waste and misuse and the areas that are most susceptible in my opinion to disruption are areas like education, medical and insurance where it's just been done a certain way. There's not a lot of innovation and this company's doing a lot with AI and simplifying processes. Um, doing some charitable donations and things that like drive in a younger generation. That generation will get older and then have more buying power. And if they really like get in with the younger generation, eventually they will have market dominance, hypothetically, you know, and they'll, as the generations start getting older, it is smart to target the younger generation because um, they're underserved and then they'll just grow up with that. It's like you have older people that are like, you know, they've asked people like, do you like Crest or do you like um, different type of toothpaste? And it's like, people have these weird, like they're comfortable with what they know, you know, they're like, Oh, this is my childhood brand. So you have all these older people that are literally probably support. Like we might have brands just like evaporate once the baby boomers are gone, you know, cause like they've been keeping these brands afloat cause they had this like relationship with these brands. And we're starting to see that in brands like Sears and Macy's, and things that really aren't are kind of like going out of trend um and that's about it i got right for now um the the two biggest i'm looking at is uh lemonade and zoom info but all these i've got on my radar so yeah i'm i'm going i have an announcement i'm going to be setting up a discord uh if you don't know what that is it's kind of like a slack and i'm going to be setting up a discord channel so that uh, people can ask me questions and I don't know all the answers to everything and but we can have a conversation and discuss different topics and you can ask me things that you want me to delve into and talk about in podcasts and we're growing uh, we're growing at a pretty good pace and I'm, I'm excited that people seem interested in this podcast and I want it to be really interesting to people and you know if there's subjects you want covered that are you know, really going to make you excited. Uh, I want to talk about those too. So thanks for listening. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please share it and, uh, you know, send your, send it to your mates on Facebook, on Instagram, on, on any platforms you use. And uh, just get the word out. Um, I, I'm trying to entertain you guys and really give you some good content to make um, hopefully some smart financial decisions or uh, just be entertained and learn something. So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, I look forward to the next podcast episode.